five things off the wall. That's us, man. 24-7. You should expect the unexpected. I mean... Make it known that this is all about being 100% authentic. So, with that being said, let's jump right in. Welcome to the second episode of Five Things Off the Wall. I am Derek Williams. Peace, beautiful people. This is Dev Harrison. Hello, everyone. This is Walt Griffin. How are you? All right. All right. And so, you know, so this is our second episode. The first response for the to the first episode has been tremendous. It's been great. So if you're a returning listener, we would like to thank you for coming back uh, to listen and support if this is your first time joining us, you are in for a treat. And so we would also like to thank everyone who subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed yet, we would like it if you would just take a moment to do so right now. Um, and with that being said, we're going to jump right in. Uh, let's hey. talk about our first topic of the day. Our first topic, poor black customer service equals poor white assumptions. What does that oh. mean? There, before we get into that one, um, I want to talk about Ahmed Aubrey and uh, Breonna Taylor because I, I mean, we know if you're not familiar with the cases, uh, Ahmed Aubrey was chased down in Georgia uh, by uh, two, three vigilantes who, with guns, who believed he committed a crime in the state of Georgia. It's legal to commit a uh, per conduct a citizen's arrest. It's legal to do that. Uh, however, you have to stop short at lethal force, but you can only conduct a, a citizen's arrest if you believe a felony was committed. These men didn't know what Ahmaud Arbery did. They just believed, they suspected that he did something and in return, uh, chased him down and brutally murdered him um, yeah. for seemingly nothing other than being uh, a black man in the wrong place and what they felt was the wrong place. Uh, and it was their duty as they saw it to protect their own, which wasn't even their own, which is a travesty in and of itself. And uh, the young woman, Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend, I mean, her boyfriend is in police custody now for doing nothing other than trying to protect his, his home uh, in Louisville, Kentucky police conduct a, no knock search warrant and plain clothes. They don't announce themselves. They come in the house while they're uh, unsuspecting and innocent people. They come in the house as any uh, man would do. Any man who, who owns a firearm and has the ability to use it would do. They're going to protect their home with lethal force. If men come in your home with guns, you're going to protect your home um, <clears throat> with the same force that you're being met with. And when he returned that that aggression, they returned with more firepower and in turn killed uh, Miss Taylor, who was nothing but an EMT, trying to get some rest before her next shift. And, you know, she was murdered. Uh, and, and the boyfriend is now in, in, in police custody for assault on a police officer. So I think we have to address, if nothing else, or we just at least have yeah. to mention or discuss yeah. that it's difficult being a black person in America when just being you is perceived as a threat when misinformation bad information assumptions can lead to your demise there's something that has to be done about that that has to be addressed that can't be that can't be something that we just 
allowed to float beyond right. uh, w- without acknowledgement, man. So, I mean, I think if nothing else, everybody listening, take a moment, research those cases, read up on it. Don't don't fall yourself. Don't find yourself falling victim to rhetoric and social media myths and 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 different stories and fabrications. I heard one police officer in the Ahmaud Arbery case or former police officer was basically justifying his murder by saying the Georgia law permits it, but Georgia law stops short at lethal force. And you can only do that when you believe and you know a felony was committed. The person who did it committed a felony. And those men even said, those, those, those murderers even admitted in their police testimony and their phone call it took two months first off to get him in custody. That's that's ridiculous. But they even said during the police conversation on the phone, they even said that they think he was someone who had previously committed robberies and has come to find out there were no robberies that were committed in that neighborhood, no burglars in that neighborhood. So right. it's get it, you gotta protect your own, you gotta, you know, cover your own self when you feel like you're in trouble. But when someone loses their life just because their skin color is different than yours, you know? When yeah. when our frontline workers can't get rest because of who they may have known years ago, mm-hmm. but are doing nothing now, and the, the people who are charged with protecting us as a people right. are protecting us, instead they're just right. leading us out there to, to yeah. slaughter them. It's horrible, man, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good, Well, I'm, I'm glad you threw that in there. Uh, because, you know, it is something that we all need to really stand up uh, to, right, and stand up for. Um, and so justice for Ahmad, justice for Brianna now. And um, I, I could say at this point, um, I did do the run. Uh, I ran with Ahmad, and uh, I plan to do much more. Um, and so, you know, thank you for bringing that out. Well, you got any, I mean, Deb, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I think it's maddening what's going on, you know, because I am a resident of Georgia, you know, the the amount of Arby case is really just something that is close to me just because of my geographic location. You know, well, you said something regarding the police officer saying that it was justified, but not only did the police officer try to just say that it was justified, but also the district attorney's office for the Wake Cross Judicial Court in Brunswick, Georgia. In fact, the actual dis- district attorney had to recuse himself because the mother of Amanda Arby actually felt like there was some, for lack of a better word, collusion mm-hmm. going on. Well, um, the first, yeah, the first DA, she out and out told the cops because it, it and I don't, I, the media reports are basically saying, and I, I try not to get too caught up into one side or the other, but mm-hmm. it's hard not to believe this is the case when it takes two months to arrest people who murdered a man without any. Uh, evidence to prove that he committed a crime of that nature. Um, the, the first district attorney, when they went to, when the police, they wanted to, to they wanted to arrest these two guys. Like, hey, nah, we got enough. We need to arrest them. Mm-hmm. The first lady told him, nah, don't do it. So it's, it's like you can murder somebody and not be, and not be held accountable. Yeah. You can't be held, yeah. you know, to trial because you have people who are in power who are able to protect you. That's mm-hmm. terrible. That's a terrible thing. It's a terrible yeah, thing. Yeah. I think, man, I think you really got to, you know, uh, put in perspective the fact that, 
you know, we're not that far removed from, you know, the civil rights movement and everything that happened to our um, our family members actually who are still living, you know, during that time in the 60s and 70s and some of the things that they experienced. And um, and so that aggression uh, that they were met with, the people who uh, committed those, you know, those crimes against our grandparents and aunts and uncles and great grandparents, you know, a lot of those individuals are still here and a lot of their ideals and, 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 uh, and ideology has been passed down to their children. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for us, you know, you know, we live in a different time, but at the same time, you know, those individuals, they work amongst us, you know, they, you know, they might, may live right next to you, right next door to you. And you may not know the true feelings that they may have towards you or what they harbor, uh, toward the feelings they harbor towards you. And so I think, uh, you know, as a black person in America, you, you, you know, we, we have to be hyper vigilant, right. Um, you know, and it's not a good thing because that that's definitely stressful, but it is our reality. And, um, you know, we want to see that change. We want, we want that to change. And in order for that to change, it's got to be more. It's got to be more, more than us. You know, it is we, we need more people to step up. We need more people to uh, respond to it. And when I say more people, you know, it's not not just black people. We need white people. We need Hispanic. We need Asian people to speak up uh, against uh, injustice. All right. If anybody and Derek, you, you brought up a good point. But if anybody can sit idly by when people are brutally murdered for nothing. And then the people who commit those murders are allowed to walk just because of who they know and because of who their affiliation and their association is. When that happens, we don't have civilization anymore. You know, we have a, a, a we're in the wild, wild west. This is a cowboy shoot 'em up situation. Everybody get your guns, load up, protect yourself because you can't trust and count on anybody to protect you other than your own. We should never be in that situation. We have elected officials in these various states. You know, I'm in South Carolina. Derek, you're in Tennessee. Dev, you're in Georgia. You know, all mm-hmm. of us are in southern states where gun rights are as common as breathing. So everybody has a pistol. Everybody has a has an assault, or a, a semi-automatic rifle. You know what I mean? Everybody has that. That's common. But it shouldn't be, it's not on me as a as a man to have to worry and fear that when my sons grow up, that I have to protect them from the people who are supposed to be in the streets to protect them. The police are there to protect and serve. There are a lot of great police officers. I have friends and family who are who are police officers and they're doing an outstanding job of that. You know, they're being very, very, very good at what they do. But it's the ones who don't that concern me the most because my friends, my family, they can't be there. They can't personally escort my sons to and from school. You know, yeah. if 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 my son, who is 13 years old, if my son decides he wants to wake up and go jogging on his side of town and he, he's taller than me, he can pass for a young adult. He wears hoodies. I don't know a 13 year old that doesn't wear a hoodie. Right. You know, what happens if my son goes walking down the street to the Sonic because he wants to get a, a frozen drink and somebody says, oh, he looks suspicious. And my irrational 13 year old son says something irrational or does something irrational. 
Right. Yeah, my police officer yeah. friends can't escort him to and from in his daily life. I shouldn't have right. to live with that fear and that anxiety. That's that's a problem. And I think that's something that we need to um, we need to we need to as a people, as a collective, as a society, you know, we need to we need to get in get in front of this one and take some proactive and take some action. You know, this is active steps. This isn't just posting on social media. This isn't just talking about it on the podcast. This is getting out boots on the ground, right. making presence to let people who think this way know I'm not going to sit idly by while you abuse and brutalize my brothers and, and my uncles and my sons and my friends and my family just because you don't like the way we look. That's not acceptable. I can't accept yeah. that. So, yeah. you know, but we could, we could, we could go on for this one. Well, hold yeah, on. Let me read, let me read some. This let me read some real quick. Yeah. Uh, and it's this 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 is actually Georgia law, and it pertains to a citizen's arrest. So it says mm-hmm. a private person may arrest an offender if the offense is committed in the presence or within his immediate knowledge. If the offense is a felony and the offender is escaping or attempting to escape, a private person may arrest him upon reasonable and probable grounds of suspicion. I think that what you said, Walter, in terms of laws and and things that we need to do and things that we need to be really mindful of. Um, I think that really resonates and hits home specifically when it deals with these laws, because I think it's safe to say that a lot of these laws are old laws and it mm-hmm. wasn't really applicable for people who are black and brown in color. Right. And I think that it's really important. And I think we all have a duty, especially as podcasters now, to continue to voice these type of opinions and continue to bring awareness to people about things that even though it's written in law, doesn't necessarily mean it is correct or that it's applicable to people that may look like us or right. whoever else who's listening to this podcast outside of uh, our Caucasian brothers and sisters, because we know that there are some white people that are not negative and, uh, and right. for the cause. So right. I think it is really very telling and very important that we continue to talk about issues like this and that we continue to bring awareness to things that are not correct and in that culture. Right, right. Hey, man, I think you, I think you said it, brother. Um, that's why it's important. So, what one of the things we want to focus on and emphasize is uh, the fact that you got to go out and vote. You got to vote in your local elections. You got to know the platform that uh, individuals are running on, what they stand for, and not just vote. Right you know, we got to get in that political process. So if you are someone who has aspirations of uh, taking it to the next level in local or state government, I say, go for it. Man. Don't let don't let fear stop you. Um, reach out to someone who can help you make that happen. And that's how things are going to change. So, you know, thinking about that, right? Um, you know, I mentioned it earlier, right? Poor black customer service equals poor white assumption. So what what is what does that mean? Uh, Walt, you mentioned, you know, I'm in Tennessee, you're in South Carolina, and Devin, you're in Georgia. So with this COVID-19 and uh, a lot of the states are still, some of them are still closed. They're still under stay-at-home orders. Mm-hmm. Well, here in Tennessee, we're moving away from that. Uh, Dev, you know, down in Georgia, you all have really moved away from that. So really fresh what, what, is, what is this? Yeah, with, you know, we're looking at you. You, you got a fresh haircut, you know, so... <laughs> You know, before we actually before we address the haircut, right? Right, what, right. What poor black customer service equals poor white assumptions. What is that? All right. Okay. So I had a, a situation that happened to me a couple of days ago, uh, pertaining to my daughter and purchasing her a car. Now this is going to be her second year going to the college. 
Shout out to Jacksonville University, where she goes. She's a dancer there. Proud dad moment. And we said that before she goes back down there, it's important for us to get her a vehicle. Well, I wanted to make sure that it was a reliable vehicle and I didn't want to do a payment. So I already had in my mind that we was going to go ahead and pay cash for whatever vehicle we buy. So throughout that time, we started doing market research. I started stacking my chips because I knew that whatever dealership I was going to go into, I was going to be able to pay cash because I wanted her to have a reliable car when she leaves. So we do the market research and we do everything we need to do and we find the car that she likes. There was two particular cars that we found, two dealerships that we located. Um, one of them was actually around the corner from me. And it was for a 2018 car that had low mileage. that had a nice expensive kit on it in terms of the interior, the outside and the rims. The only problem was it was black. It was gray, excuse me, it wasn't black. My daughter wanted a black car. This car was gray. However, she saw the car, she saw what it looked like on the internet. So she was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go with this one. Now, as we all know, a responsible person does their market research and they wanna have a backup just in case, right? So I went ahead and looked for another car, found a black car, it was a 2019, it was a little higher and the dealership was about 30 miles south from where the initial dealership was that I really wanted to go to. Make sense so far? Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to go to, to the first dealership that I found with the gray car was because one, it was right around the corner for me and two, it was black run. Right. So the manager that I spoke to to set up an appointment was a black was a black woman. She sounded really professional, courteous over the phone. That was a plus. As we was talking about the car and talking about the availability, she said it was available. And she set me up for an appointment at 6 p.m. I said, cool, no problem. Things is looking pretty good right now. So next thing you know, I get a text from the sales associate who says, I'm going to meet you at 6 o'clock. I'm going to have the car ready for you so you can test drive it. Can't wait to see you. Mm-hmm. Things is looking real good right now. Right. Then he proceeds to call me. And when he calls me, I find out he's a brother also. And he says, you know, man, I'm looking forward to meeting you. We're going to have the car available for you. Can't wait to see you. So at this point, I'm like, yes. You know, I got the car. Everything is good. The price is where I want it to be. It's black run. The salesperson is black. I'm going to give this man my money. Everything is up and up. Good money. We good to go. All right. Okay. So we go, so we go to the dealership at six o'clock, right? Pull up in the pull up, pull up in the parking lot. And I call the brother. And as I call the brother, he picks up and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm here. Where are you? Where should I meet you at? Should I go inside or should I meet you outside? Because I'm still thinking maybe they're gonna meet us outside because of COVID-19. You know, they want to do social distancing and everything else. Right. He proceeds to say, well, I'm not there yet. Um, <laughs> he proceeds to say, well, I'm not there yet. Um, why, don't you go, why don't you go inside the dealership, sit at my desk. I'll be there in a few minutes. So at this point, I'm like, all right, cool. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, yo, man, you're supposed to be here. It's 6 o'clock. Why are you not here? But y'all know me. Y'all know me long enough to know I'm pretty patient. But y'all, okay. but y'all also know my wife is who's already set to scorch some earth, right? Right. <laughs> so we go inside, and as we go inside, I feel like I'm in the toilet, twilight zone because nobody has a mask on. It's, it's as if Brian Kemp said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to ease up on COVID-19.
COVID-19 and social distancing and everything, all these precautions and everything that we had in place. And that just felt like, and it just felt like people was just going to jump out the window and do whatever they wanted to do because no one had a mask on in there. I felt out of place because I had a mask on. Wow. So we get inside and we're waiting. And brothers, you know, and do you know I waited for 25 minutes before the dude came? Can I say this wouldn't happen if Stacey Abrams was governor? Shouts out to Stacey Abrams. Shout out to Stacey Abrams. So, so I waited for 25 minutes until the dude came. So of course I'm tight, but again, I'm still patient. I'm like, look, he's late. Maybe there's a good reason. I still want to give my money to the brother. I don't want to really go 30 miles, 20 to 30 miles south to this other dealership. So he proceeds to introduce himself, right? And then he proceeds to say, yeah, man, the reason why I was late was because, you know, I had to go get something to eat from Slutty Vegan. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, 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 <laughs> I'm like, first of all, shout out to Slutty Vegan. Shout out to the owner, Pinky. Slutty Vegan is a beautiful establishment. Uh, they're, they're pretty much a staple in Atlanta right now. So, you know, for all of my vegan listeners, if you're ever in the A, go ahead and um, go ahead and go to Slutty Vegan, man. Get you a nice sandwich from there. I think you'll be I think you'll be pleased. But I'll also be remiss by not giving a shout out to my big homie Zach, Big Zach Wallace, who owns Local Green Atlanta. That's also in the heart of Atlanta. They're also a staple, and they have vegan options, but they also have pescatarian and vegetarian options. So you can find both of those establishments on Instagram, Slutty Vegan on Instagram, Local Green on Instagram. Take a look at take a look at them. Follow them. And if you're ever in the area, go ahead and go ahead and check out both of those establishments because you'll be pleased. All right, right. so back to back to the story. So <laughs> shameless plug. You know, the uh the obligatory shameless plug. But anyway, back to the story, right? So the homie tells me that he he went to slutty vegan to get something to eat. Now, I'm tight at this point because for those who actually know about slutty vegan you know that you have to actually schedule your time around going because you are going to be in line for a pretty, pretty good long time. On top of that, the dealership is nowhere near where this restaurant is. We're looking, we're talking about 15, 20 minutes out. So you don't have no business going to get something to eat that far when you know you got an appointment at six o'clock. Y'all feel me? Right. All right. right. So, so I'm, so I'm tight, but again, patient Dev still trying to get his due my money. Mm-hmm. So he, so, you know, we're talking and he's like, well, what's you here for? I'm like, you know, I'm trying to get a car for my daughter. It's like, all right, cool. It's your first, it's her first car. I'm like, yeah. She's like, he's like, that's great. Are you going to pay cash or are you going to do a finance? I'm like, I'm going to pay cash. He's like, oh, that's even better. Good deal. Let me get your driver's license. Let me get her driver's license. Y'all can go ahead and, and wait while I get the car so you can test drive it. Cool. Sounds good. We wait for about another five minutes. And then after we, and then after he comes back, he's like, all right, come on, let's go. And as we proceed to go, as before we walk out the door, he says, oh, by the way, the car that you actually came to see is actually being seen by somebody else. But we have a car that is the same type of car, but it's about $300 more. So now you're going to tell me you're late because you got the beautiful sandwich. Now you're telling me the car that I've seen online 
that I'm actually here for is not the card that I'm going to see because somebody else is actually going to, is actually taking a look at it right now and may purchase it because it was probably on time. So two things, right? One, had you been there on time, mm-hmm. you could have did all of this due diligence and you could have had the courtesy to be like, look, before you come, this is what's going on. So you're going to make a decision whether you want to come or not come, right? right. Two, if you're going to be late, don't have me call you at the time we're supposed to meet and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm running late. You should have called me about 15, 20 minutes before that and be like, look, I'm running late. Please forgive me. I'll be there in about 15, 20 minutes. Right? Right. right, right, right. <laughs> Three, I'm paying cash. So you could have at least been, you could have at least asked the other associate, all right, look, I got a, I got a, I got a customer here who has cash. There's a possibility that I may be able to get this deal. How far you are in the process with this person? Because if you're not that far and you're still trying to finance, then maybe I may be able to get this deal because I have cash in hand. They're ready to go. Right. He does. None, he does none of this. Right. 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 So then we ask him a couple more questions, and I think one of the questions that we ask him pertain to, okay, well, look, the car that you actually that we actually saw on the internet is not available. This other car that you have is extra, mm-hmm. but do you have any cars that may be in black? Because we really want a black car, but this car right. is gray. The reason why we was going to get the gray is because it had the kid on it, but this car is no longer available. So then he's like, well, we may have some black cars, but you know, we got to go on the internet and check it out. <laughs> so, 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 so there's now, now you're not even prepared, my dude. You know what? I'm out. You know what? Have a nice life. I'm gone. Right. So we proceed to go into the car and I'm tight now because now I got to drive 20 to 30 miles south. At what? 637 o'clock at night. Like 637 o'clock at night. Well, lo and behold, I called an associate down at the other spot, white dude. He's like, you know what? I got the car ready for you. Cleaned Mm -hmm. out. You know, I see you when you get here. We get there, the car is waiting for us. Right. Everything's full, great. Full, everything full is taking gas. Everything, everything is great. I get in the car. My daughter get in the car. She started driving the car around, y'all. She loves the car. So yeah. now, so so now we going in and we about to buy the car. But the white guy, he just assumes that I'm gonna finance. So he proceeds to pull out all the paperwork. Get to once again my social security number. Once to get all of that down, so he can so he can basically run the numbers to see what my uh, interest rate is going interest rate is going to look like. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that when you go and you go when you're going to go into a um, dealership, nine times out of ten, well, nine point five times out of ten, people are going to go into dealership to finance. Right. I get that. Most, most people, yeah, most most people most. Finance. So, so I get that. I understand that. I'm a rational thing. I get that. However, I'm kind of tight because you didn't even ask me if I was going to be financing or if I was going to buy outright, like old boy with the sandwich did at least. Right. <laughs> so now, so now I'm thinking to myself, well, why do you want to ask me if I had cash? Is it because of how I look? Now I know that although I am pushing 40 on any given day, y'all know I could pass for about 25. Maybe, maybe maybe 32. Somebody's maybe, feeling good today. Maybe, maybe 35. Oh, right? 
Somebody's feeling good yeah, today. I, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. D- 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 there's, yeah. A, there's a range, depending on who you ask, or what my age could be. With the, so, COVID, with the fresh COVID haircut, yeah, bro. With, with the fresh COVID, right. So so now in my mind, like, so so what? Because I'm black and I look young and I got this young looking family, you don't think that I have the cash to be able to pay for this thing. This is in my mind what I'm thinking. But of course, again, you know, somebody may say, well, look, everybody goes into a dealership to finance. All right, cool. But this is a show where we give our opinions. So for the sake of discussion, that's how I feel. All right. Yeah. So he proceeds to start running numbers, and I'm like, well, look, um, you know, what's going on here? I actually do not need to finance. I actually would like to pay with cash. Right. And he's like, oh, well, all right, cool. We don't need to do this anymore. And I'm like, you sure? You you darn right we don't because I have <laughs> darn cash. Too. You darn too, and we don't because you I got you too. <laughs> right, straight straight cash, homie. Straight cash, right. homie. Randy Moss out this Shout out, shout out to Randy Moss. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So I wound up paying the car for cash. That felt it was a good feeling. Praise, praise God that I was able to be in yeah. a position to yeah. do it to begin with. Um, that's a big deal. That's a, but that's it, a big deal. But to wrap this all up, um, my problem with it is, why do I have to go to the white person for service when I could have easily went to the black person and gave my money? But it goes to that old adage that we hear all the time about how black run businesses don't do right and one of the things that they don't do right with is customer service and this is my and this is my issue then people want to ask well why don't you buy black because when you want to buy black we don't do right and it's not like this is something that's hyperbole it's not this is factual things that happen so but before before and i I don't want to i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to throw us all under the bus you know here here in south carolina so Shouts out, like, and I'll stay in Atlanta for right now, right? I've been to Local Green with you. I know what the customer service is like in Local Green. Mm-hmm. Local Green is an outstanding uh, establishment. The customer service was great. The mm-hmm. atmosphere was beautiful. Everything was wonderful. I didn't mm-hmm. have a problem in Local Green. I've been to uh, other establishments that are black run. Uh, shouts out up here in Columbia. Shouts out to my man Q Whips and Scott Benny's. Shouts out to Jeff Stone. At that's my mechanic. Two black owned businesses that are running really, really, really well. I think one thing that we have to do as a people, um, if you haven't seen Black AF, uh, there's an episode uh, where he meets with Tyler Perry, and I think this kind of goes into it. And and he talks about, um, we we have to be, I want my people, I want the work that I'm putting out, I want my people to be critical enough of it to be like, yeah, no, I'm not rocking with it because it's not good. And tell me about it. It's not good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think what we do as a people is we hold ourselves to such a high standard. When I walk up to you, the brother's like, ah, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to get the good deal, or at least I'm supporting my own. Mm-hmm. I hold you to the standard. So then when you let me down, it's like, man, see, this is why I can't deal with black business. But it shouldn't be that. It should be, this is why I can't deal with professional, unprofessional business. You right. see what I'm saying? We put that black moniker on the business and say, oh, this is what black business is. It's not. It's unprofessional people. That sometimes happen to be black because I've dealt with some non-black people that have been terrible yeah, in right. terms of customers. I like that. So yeah. I, and, and let me and let me add and let me add one more thing because I do need to hold myself accountable. Now, what I will say that I should have done before I even left was told the homie why I was leaving. Right. And I right. should have told him, look, this is why I'm leaving, X, Y, and Z, because yeah. he may think that he didn't do anything wrong. 
Right. Right now, right now he got the most expensive slutty vegan sandwich in all of Atlanta. Right, right. You got the most expensive slutty vegan sandwich. Because we talk about, I mean, let's keep it, let's keep it all the way a buck, right? We're talking about thousands of dollars that I was gonna be dropping. Yeah, right. That that would have been a good good sale for him. Like I used to be in card sales. So, you know, a cash deal where you don't have to do much work, that's that's great. And so thinking about it, like what you're saying is he probably, you know, if if this was the experience that you had with him, I wonder how many other people he's had the same experience with. And, and right. you know, it's probably hurting his pockets in the long run. Right. Yeah. right. But but see, that's, that, that goes to professionalism. So this is an unprofessional individual. I mean, think about it. We're a young black run business right now. You know, mm-hmm. we're trying to be professional. So what do we do? We reach out. We look for feedback. We look for ways to improve. But that's about professionalism. I think it's, it's it's high time that we hold ourselves accountable in the sense that not only do we support, but we also correct. Um, right. Like, right. Oh, yeah. Because mm, you yeah. represent yeah. me right now. And I don't want you to label all of my people as terrible because of this guy and his slackness. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. Like, right. Other people yeah. are selling cars. It's like, but you don't want that bad experience to be like, oh, man, I ain't going there. So, so Devin. So yeah. what what are you going to do, right? Like you said, what you should have done was, you know, let let them know the reason why you were leaving and what your experience was like. You still have an opportunity to do that. So oh, yeah, yeah, what I are you going to do? I'm going to tell them. I actually have to. I I have dude's number in my phone. But what we also was waiting for was an email from the internet manager, the woman mm-hmm. who I spoke to actually set the meeting up for us to begin with. I have her contact information too. So I, I am going to go back and I am going to talk to them and tell them, and, and tell them the reason why, because they need yeah. to know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. hundred percent because we can't do better if we don't know better. And, right. and granted, this, this could be one of those situations where that's never been a problem. I know me, my wife is a lot like yours. She's not, she's not sitting there for the shenanigans. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes yeah. late. What? Yo, I, and I, and I got to say this before we move on to the next topic, yo, my wife, you know, she has her own business and she is, when I say professional, I'm talking about professional to the dime, like clockwork, clients in and out. Rarely does anyone have to wait. Um, I mean, she's she's got it working like a fine engine um, and, you know, she's black. Right. And so that goes to what you were saying. Well, I think it's uh, it's the individual and we have to stop putting the label you know and generalizing you know our, our own people like that because then you begin to you begin to start believing that and we do know as y'all mentioned there are some great businesses out there black businesses that are that are doing some great work um so yeah so yeah man with uh, that go ahead nah go ahead brother shout out to my man Devin, Devin down in orangeburg you know where we all you know where we built this bond that he got a a beautiful business down there, man. His wife posted on social media. He was having an owner's meeting. The owners of him and his wife. Right. He was having an owner's meeting. He had an agenda with points that he's going to sit down and talk with about, it, you know, for running a business. But see, that's professionalism, and that's how he conducts everything. You know, so yeah. shout out to my man, Dev Randolph at Randolph Artisan Italian Ice and Gelato in Orangeburg, South Carolina. I mean, it's like small town, big business. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's not about... It's not always about where you're at. It's how you conduct yourself, man. If you think like you're a billion dollar business, you're a billion dollar billion business. Dollar business. That's right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, and shout out to. Uh, go ahead. Well, 
Now I was going to say shout out to uh, Permanently Inked Nashville. That's my oh. wife's business. She does oh. great work. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We we seen we seen. Didn't she give you a haircut? Cause she cuts hair too. Right? Yeah. Nah, nah. She doesn't cut hair, but she gave me a haircut. She did a sure. dang good job. She See, that's that professionalism. She brought the professionalism. Exactly. Home. Exactly. She could so, do all yeah. of that. Come on. Right. See? Yeah. So, so but you mentioned Orangeburg. You gave Orangeburg a shout out, right? And so shout out to Orangeburg, South Carolina. Um, we'll also mention earlier that, you know, professionalism, like this business, like we're just getting started in this business. And one of the things that we did was after our first episode, we reached we reached out, you know. Uh, we asked for feedback, you know, we we talked to our friends, we talked to family members, uh, just to see what we can do to get better, you know. And so one of the things that we heard was that, you know, we could have taken a, taken a little bit more time to talk about the history, uh, how we became friends and, uh, you know, how we got to this point. And so, you know, thinking back, 1998, South Carolina State University is where it started for uh, each of us. Right. Um, you know, so, Walt, thinking back, what you know, I, I I can't say that I remember how we all met, like how I met you, but I do have, you know, memories of our first experience. Um, so for you, you know, what what is you know, what do you remember, right? How how do you see it, right? How do you remember it? So this is this is like the perfect segue into uh, a segment we want to do occasionally you know, how I remember it is what we're going to call it, you know, and that's basically like my version or Devin's version or Derek's version of how we remember something that happened, you know, so to kick it off, how I would, how I remember it, I met Devin <laughs> coming out of a day hall, rest in peace, but they hall, they tore it down slums, man. That was the best dorm on campus. Anyways, coming out of a day hall, I believe Dev, you was kicking it with uh Ron Tate, right? Yes. You was kicking it with, with the homie Ron. I was kicking it with my homie Marcus, my homie Marcus Greenwich. Um Munch was with us, I believe, right? Um that's not how I remember it, but again, whatever is how I remember it. Keep it going. That's how you were, yeah. I, it. I think Munch right. was with us. Whatever. Don't ruin my story. Anyways, we jump <laughs> in the back. We jump in the Jeep yeah. and you know, we young, we stupid, we don't know no better. We coming from our respective places. Dev, you coming from the Bronx. I'm coming from Pittsburgh. You know, it's like, hey, what are we doing? What do y'all want to do? What do y'all want to drink? Hey, I'm drinking that Mad Dog. What are you drinking? So we get the Mad Dog. We pour the Mad Dog and the USA uh, Olympic Dream Team Cup. And I remember meeting home and Dev in the back of the rodeo, the back of the Jeep. I don't remember if it was a rodeo or not. Yeah. Drinking some Mad Dog 2020 on the way to Edisto Gardens for a cute cookout. Yeah, that, that, that the bros was having down there at the joint. And that's how I remember meeting Dev. Um, I don't remember exactly where I met Derek. All I remember is this brother from Georgetown, South Carolina, shouts out to Georgetown, South Carolina, is always singing. He got the voice for radio and he's singing everywhere. Everywhere he goes, he's singing. One of those first places, <laughs> big facts. One of the first places I went to outside of Orangeburg in South Carolina was Georgetown. Derek invited me to the crib. At the time, I was I was a hundred percent heathen. Uh, wasn't really in the church too tough, you know. And Derek knew that, but 
we spent the weekend. It was like a long weekend we had off from school. So we spent the weekend at his house. You know, his family welcomed me, and it was Keylon, I think, was with us. Key, shout out yeah. the community, Keys. Um, you know, uh, we go down there, and, and it was Sunday. So Derek said, yo, Walt, I know you don't go to church too tough, but uh, we're going we gonna to go to church. And I'm like, he was like, you can stay here if you want. And I'm thinking like, man, what kind of, I don't go to church. I don't mean I'm disrespectful and rude. I'm not going to not go to church. Your family don't go to church. Listen, I didn't want your, listen, I didn't want your head to catch fire when you walked in the building. So. It, probably, it probably should have for as far as I was living. But anyways, I remember going to church. Going to church, I remember that it was so traumatizing, man. People threw bones on the floor. They was running around the church crazy, singing and praising and screaming. It was crazy. I remember going outside to to step outside to take a break because it was a lot. And I remember the ice cream truck rolled by. It was a beautiful sunny day. It was a lot. It was traumatizing, man. I was traumatizing. Listen, listen. I don't remember that. What I will say is, if not for the Mad Dog 2020, and the bones on the church floor. I wouldn't have my brothers a date. And for that, listen. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And I thank listen. God for it. Listen, this is truly how you remember because Brother. I do not remember bones on the floor. You're going to have people out here thinking we go to some type of voodoo church or something like that. I, 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 look, that's what I remember. That's my story. I'm sticking to it, nah, bro. That's nah, it's all good, brother. It's all bro. good. Bro. It's all good. Uh, Dev. Yeah. Dev, so what's what tell us what's your story how, yeah. how do you remember it yeah so regarding walt how i remember it is pretty similar to how walt remembers how walt remembers it i remember going you know being there it was maybe our first or second week in school it seemed like and and, and we was we was with the big homies you know at the, in this particular case you know what was what what was with marcus i was with ron and it was like yo this is my boy walt and he was like yo this is my boy dev and you know, I, I felt like, oh yeah, I can relate to this dude because he's short. I'm short. Mm-hmm. That was it. That kind of that that kind of did it right yeah. there. So then we was just kicking it. It was like, what are you drinking now? I the funny thing is, I never heard of Mad Dog 2020. <sighs> now that that didn't mean that I didn't drink. You know, when I was in Soundview, we didn't have Mad Dog 2020. We had Saint Ives and Cisco and all of that. So so you didn't know what you were about to get into. No, I had no idea, but I knew I was at school and it was alcohol. So, I don't like how you remember this because it's starting to sound like this is my fault. And I'm not, no, 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 no I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. So, you know, we get in the car, we drive to the, we drive to this gas station. The car was red. It was a Jeep. Mm. And yeah, that's right. Tate had the Jeep. Yeah, yeah he had the Jeep. Jeep. He had a Jeep. So we pull up to the gas station, and this, and you know, and this, and this is another thing. In Southern gas stations, I didn't know that you can actually buy liquor. Because, because, <laughs> in, because in the, in the bodegas and the stores up top, you can't get, you can't buy liquor. You can just buy beer. At least at the time when I was growing up. So my first Southern introduction. You can get beer in the gas station. Yeah. So, so, so they so they really was like, yo, what are you drinking? Because you know we couldn't buy. We was underage, which is a crime. But again, they was like, yo, what are you drinking? And what was like Mad Dog Twenty Twenty? And I just proceeded to just go with that. So yeah, let's do it. And I remember us drinking out of the USA Cup, and dream the, team. And, and yeah, the Dream Team Cup, and the rest is history, man. We've been we've been yeah. rocking, and we've been brothers ever since. Um, how, how, I, how I remember UD is I remember I remember the, the Georgetown contingent because it wasn't a lot of y'all when we came in. Uh, as a matter of fact, as all as as if I recall correctly, it was you and you and Al 
Shannon. Uh, um, and Shannon. But Shannon, Shannon was a little older. But in terms nah, of Shannon was the same age. Shannon's he same just age. it was just I think Shannon kind of had his own crew. He had his own crew. Right, we were at right. state, you know. But it was yeah. you, but it was you and Al rocking pretty heavy. And um Joe when I heard Georgetown, it was interesting because the only thing that I knew about Georgetown at the time was nothing about Georgetown, South Carolina. It was all about the Georgetown Hoyas in DC. So mm-hmm. that interests me. And then the fact that when y'all spoke, there wasn't really an accent there, which threw me off as well. And I'm like, man, these dudes seem like they can be from around the corner from where I live, just by how they acted, how they dressed and everything else. So, you know, that was pretty much kind of saying some of the things that I can remember. But what I will say before I wrap up is Derek was influential in my life because if it wasn't for Derek, I probably would not have gotten saved. Mm. Uh, because when I came, because when I came to school, I was <laughs> I was a five percenter for the nation of the gods and the earth. Oh, peace, 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 bro. peace, God, peace, God. So I was, peace, God. You know, I, was <laughs> I was somewhere else in my life. Um, so yeah, I was somewhere else in my life, which is we can do that for another story for another day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely but, but, but yeah, if it wasn't for Derek, man, he he played an influential. He played a influential part of my life of actually becoming a man of God and being saved. So, you yeah. know, it was ordained for us to be who we are and do what we're doing, man. So, yeah, man. You yeah. Know, just, yeah. just glory be to God for that. Yeah. yeah. So think yeah, the thing about Georgetown and, and, and New York and, you know, what you got to, what, what you have to remember is that, you know, a lot of our families migrated up North from the South and a lot of them went straight from Georgetown up to New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And, um, and so, you know, shout out to Goldie. Uh, Goldie was, I remember Goldie at state when I first saw him, I was like, man, I, I know this dude. And it just so happened that Goldie, uh, I used to live right next door to his cousin and he used to come down during the summers. And so, like you mentioned, like the, the culture, uh, down in Georgetown, man, we, 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 we had our own lingo and slang, um, but in terms of dress, it was all East Coast. What we listened to was all, all up top, East Coast music. Um, that's what we were on. We had the Thames, we had the Bubble Coast, we had the, you know, Air Force Ones, you know. <laughs> um, so if it, if it was East Coast, you know, we was listening to Biggie, uh, we were listening to Mob Deep, uh, Red Man, all of that. Uh, that's yeah. what we were on, man. So, yeah. So, so uh, and... And yeah, during that time, I was definitely on on fire. Um, and I, I, yeah, I do remember uh, us having a conversation. I remember I had a conversation with you and Shawnee, actually. Yeah. I uh, came over to the crib. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, how I remember now, I don't remember um, uh, the first time that I met either one of you. But I do remember, what I do remember about Walt is the for my first memory with Walt was we were getting ready to go to a party at SHM, Smith Middleton Hammond Memorial Gym. And so <laughs> you know, you, I remember- you know, you know you said that wrong, but keep going. Oh, did I? Yeah, but it's okay. Go ahead, keep it going, okay. keep it going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm just, th- I'm thinking about that experience with Walt. So y- you'll understand in a minute. <laughs> so going to go into the gym, right, for a party with Walt. Um, I remember going, we were at his, we were in Bethay Hall and we were at his room 
And so Walt was like, yo, you know, let's 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 have a drink before we go. I'm like, all right. So Walt goes into this bin underneath his bed and pulls <laughs> out a bottle of Seagram's gin, gin and juice, already pre-mixed, gin and juice, Seagram's gin. And uh, and we be, you know, we drank the bottle uh in the in the in the in the in his room. And I remember, I think we drunk all the way down on our way down to uh, SHM. Probably so, but look, and, so uh, on three, the, you could get a pint three for 20. We had the plug in the dorm. He was selling them three for 20. So I'm a fiscally responsible idiot at the time. Three pints for $20? What? Man, I can make $20. Yeah, hey, let, me, let me get three. Hey, hey listen. Man. Listen, so we, why, had a, we had a, that's why I was we had a good time. Because I already had listen, a we, we yeah so we were right we were right and uh and we had a good time and that's why i said you know not saying it right yeah i probably didn't say it right that night either that's a good wall. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah we had a good time um and and dev you know like i said um you know let me let's just go back to that that you know that time um i i think i remember dev i think it was first week of school yeah. Um, freshman orientation and all that. And I remember there were a few of us down at SHM for um, registration. Yeah. And um, I think it was Keylon uh, and uh, a few other individuals. But I remember us walking uh, back up toward the uh, the campus and, and they introduced us. And so one of the things that you said, you know, it was the reasons why you rock with Walt. You know, so I'm I'm a little taller than both of y'all, yes, but you are. I still consider myself kind of short, right? Right, right. And so, um, and so I think you know, for me, that connection between the three of us, that you know, short, I think that was one of the things that really kind of kind of kept us going, man. But um, the interesting thing is, I'm a part of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, right. Right. Uh, South Carolina State University. Shouts out to Beta Delta Chapter, uh, Walt. Yes. What's your organization? Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Shouts out to Zai Zai Chapter. And Dev? Yeah, that, that would be Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Big shout out to Ada Alpha, the ruthless Ada Alpha. Right. So the interesting thing is we're all in three different uh, Black Greek letter organizations. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, when... Walt had his probate show. When Devin had their probate show, I probably was up cheering louder for them, uh, louder than their their pro fights or, or family that came there for him. So these these truly are my brothers, man. And, and so from that moment, we got on step foot on South Carolina State University's campus um, and we met each other to now. I mean, I, I truly rock with these dudes like like their blood, man. So, yeah, man. you know, love you guys. Yeah, man. Y'all my, yeah. Y'all my- you're my people. You're my people. But let's wrap this thing up, man. We didn't tie these people up for about 50 minutes, man. You know, gave them a little oh, bit of history of us. Talked about a few things important. We got a couple other things we could talk about for the next episode. All right. Yeah. So, you know, so with that being said, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to have some interesting topics for you to uh, listen to. And, uh, and I just want to say in everything that you do, take positivity with you. Yeah. Hey. Signing off. Peace out. Peace out.